Welcome to the Underground Garage. I'm Little Steven. All right, I'm not Little Steven. I'm lying to you. This is Theme Time Radio Hour. Today's show is about veracity and prevarication and the distance between the two. We're going to talk about truth and lies, the gospel truth, dirty lies, big fat lies, little white lies, half-truths, and we'll discover that the truth will set you free. As Mark Twain once said, the lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on his shoes. So let's travel around the world along with some of those lies and dare the truth to catch up with us. Start things off. The chromatics didn't record much and they seem to have been centered around Long Beach, California. This song was the B-side of a record that came out on the Million record label. As a matter of fact, it was Million number 2014. It was the B-side of Don't Know Why I Cry. Here are the chromatics with Tell a Lie. According to a survey, more than four out of five people admit to telling white lies at least once a day. And I'm telling you, that other guy, he's lying. Maybe I'm just taking it for granted that you all know it's a bad thing to lie. Just so we say it emphatically one time, it's a sin to tell a lie. Even if lying is a sin, it's only a venal sin. It becomes a mortal sin only when the intention of deceiving risks deadly consequences. And just as a reminder, here are the seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, wrath or anger, sloth, avarice or greed, gluttony, and lust. Let me see. I'm good for about five of them. Jack didn't lose any time giving the other boys a highly colored version of the date. He added a few details, remarks about Gene, completely untrue. But then, gossips seldom worry about the truth. 
Now the gossip began to spread like wildfire, and by the end of the day, the harm was done. Gene's reputation was ruined. Here's another song about lies. Like most lies, this one came back more than once. It started off as a number two R&B hit for Benny King on the Atlantic record label. Eight years later, still on Atlantic Records, Aretha Franklin recorded it along with a Memphis band called the Dixie Flyers. Aretha's version sold more than a million copies. It was written by Ahmed Ernigan, and he was one of the few record label presidents that actually wrote some songs instead of just putting his name on them. Ahmed wrote this along with Betty Nelson. Here's Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, don't play that song, you lied. Aretha didn't play on the West Coast for two decades. She doesn't like flying. In 2004, Aretha and her band spent a week driving three buses across the country for shows on the West Coast and Las Vegas. It's particularly difficult to map out a route for her because she refuses to drive over mountains. It's a long trip to make my bus, especially when you hate air conditioning like Aretha does. But she made it, and the people in L.A. and Las Vegas got to see one of the greatest soul singers who ever lived. Speaking of air conditioning, I'm reminded of the three Jewish guys who invented air conditioning for cars. They went to Detroit and showed all the car manufacturers their invention. The car manufacturers loved it. They said, how much money do you want for it? The three Jewish guys said, you don't have to pay us. Just from now on, whenever there's air conditioning in a car, we want to see our names on it. And that's why, to this day, if you have air conditioning in your car, you see their names. Hi, Norm, and Max. <laughs> you know who told me that joke? Arson Wells. And I'm dying if I'm lying. Arson made a great documentary that fits our subject matter pretty well. It's called F for Fake. It's sort of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants documentary little bit freeform. It's about the infamous art forger, Elmer D.R.A., and his biographer, Clifford Irving. 
who might be even better known for his fraudulent Howard Hughes biography. There's a movie called Hoax, starring Richard Gere, all about him. But F for fake blurs the line between what is real and what isn't. Our works in stone, in paint, in print are spared, some of them for a few decades or a millennium or two. But everything must finally fall in war or wear away into the ultimate and universal ash. The triumphs and the frauds, the treasures and the fakes a fact of life. We're going to die. Any film by Orson Welles is worth seeking out, but F for fake is one of the most intriguing. A little bit earlier, we talked about what Mark Twain said. He had something else to say about the truth. Always tell the truth, he said. That way you don't have to remember what you said. It's pretty easy to detect lies, and I had to know. You can detect them from emotional gestures and contradictions. If the timing is off between emotions, gestures, and the expressions of those emotions, that person's probably lying. For example, if someone says, I love it, while tasting your cooking, and then they smile after making the statement, rather than at the same time, it means they're thinking about what they're saying, as opposed to actually meaning it. Also remember, a guilty person gets defensive. If you're innocent, you'll often go on the offensive. Some people use humor or sarcasm to avoid a subject. Here's a handy test. If you think somebody's lying, change the subject really quickly. Someone who's lying will follow along willingly. The guilty person is in a hurry to change the subject. The person telling the truth might even be confused by the sudden change in topics and will try to bring the conversation back to the original subject. Of course, you probably don't want to hang around with liars at all. You don't want to be spending a lot of time trying to second-guess everything they say. And you certainly don't want to have to keep saying to them what Fats Domino says in this song. Fats had so many hits, and people think of him as just a jolly fat man from New Orleans. But they don't realize what a bluesy piano player he is. Here he is, with a song that'll help you get down to the real nitty-gritty. Don't lie to me. That's Domino. are lies. You hear that a lot during the campaign season. Here are some famous campaign promises that never quite came true. In 1900, the Republicans promised to end the Philippine War quickly. Uh-uh. Woodrow Wilson promised to keep the United States out of World War I. Nope. Herbert Hoover promised to end poverty in 1928. The next year, the stock market crashed. 
Franklin Roosevelt promised to keep the United States out of World War II. I don't think so. LBJ told us in 1964 that we'd win the war on poverty. Well, that's another one. Nixon, 1968. He promised to quickly resolve the Vietnam War. Well, that didn't happen. And in 1988, George Bush Sr. said, Read my lips. No new taxes. I read his lips. I paid more taxes. The changes I'm going to make will be minimal. I'm not going to rock the boat. Rocking the boat's a drag. What you do is sink the boat. And there's no sense sinking nothing unless you can salvage with productive alternatives. And brothers, you can't change nothing with rhetoric and slogans. Because if a man's really got the truth in his pocket, he doesn't talk about it. He hangs it out on a shingle where people can see it. So from now on, the name of this agency is... Truth and Soul! Yes, baby! That's right! No smoking! In the 17th century, the Scotch Presbyterians adopted the color blue in opposition to the royalist red. That's where we get the phrase true blue. Leon Chappelle has a song about a true blue papa. He's a fascinating guy. He was born with the name Leon Chappelier in 1909 in Gilmer, Texas. He formed a band with his buddies, the Shelton Brothers, in 1929. They're called the Lone Star Cowboys. He split up with them a couple years later and started a new group called Leon's Lone Star Cowboys. In 1935, tragedy struck. He was coming home from a live show and he was in a car crash. He had severe head injuries and many people around him don't think he ever fully recovered. He was dumped by his record label in 1937. The next 10 years are kind of a mystery. He retired from music and became a policeman, but he was kicked out of the force, convicted of accepting bribes, and might have even served a prison sentence. He finally resurfaced in the late 40s, shortened his name to Chapel, and was playing with a band called the Lone Star Ramblers with a harder honky-tonk sound. He connected with Jimmy Davis, who had just finished his first stint as governor of Louisiana. He was invited to join Davis's backing band, the Sunshine Boys. Davis called in a few favors and got Chapel a deal on Capitol Records, where he recorded the number we're going to hear today. That wasn't the end of his story. He had never fully recovered from the early car crash. His marriage fell apart. He slipped into a deep depression. And on October 23, 1962, Leon Chappelle committed suicide. He made some fine records in two different periods of his life. It's better to remember him for those than for all the sadness he carried. Here he is, True Blue Papa. Lord, I just come down from El Paso. Got a pocket full of dough and a rand to go. I'm a True Blue Papa, got a mama wherever I go. I'm a keeper cutting papa, I just hit town Looking for a mama to show me around I'm a true blue daddy, got a mama wherever I go A good gal, she tells me not to work Says she'll make a living if I just don't flirt I'm a true blue daddy, got a mama wherever I go And the women all know me from coast to coast I'm the kind of a papa that they all like most Just a true blue daddy, got a mama wherever I go Caper cutting cutie weighs a hundred pounds. She can make a jackrabbit hug a hound. I'm a true blue papa, got a mama wherever I go. Lord, I ain't gonna marry and settle down. I want a brand new mama in every town. I'm a true blue papa, got a mama wherever I go. A 
the gal, she calls me her big shot. She says I got something that the others ain't got. Just a true blue daddy got a mama wherever I go. I'm a caper cutting papa with a true blue weight. I got a gal in Alabama and she wants me to stay. Just a true blue papa got a mama wherever I go. That was Leon Chappelle, True Blue Papa. One man who was looking for the ultimate True Blue Papa was Diogenes, who was also known as the Cynic. Though Cynic had a different meaning in his day, I mean 412 to 323 BC. The sect of the Cynics was founded by a student of Socrates and was marked by an ostentatious contempt for ease, wealth, and the enjoyments of life. Diogenes searched throughout his life with a lantern in the daylight, looking for an honest man. And although he did not find one, he had in the process exposed the vanity and selfishness of man. Alexander the Great met Diogenes when he was very old. The powerful young conqueror was respectful of the elderly philosopher. He asked what, if anything, he could do for him. Diogenes replied, and I quote, Stand out of my sunshine. A wise man, that Diogenes. Here's another wise guy, Graham Parsons. A song he wrote called How Much I've Lied. It's all about a guy who'd rather be by himself than destroy someone he loves, cause he's well aware that he's a rogue, a scamp, a rapscallion, a lying SOB. Well, it sounds much nicer when you put it to music. Darling, there is something I must tell you, you must know But it's so hard to say the words I feel This fancy that I'm on has been going on too long time we stop pretending things are real I've been living deep in sin I've been living blind And I don't know just what's right or wrong To take a chance on losing you What's such a silly thing to do A chance I might wake up and find you gone Any brighter flame would be a lie Blue, so blue My love still burns for you But I know that I'll only make you cry A thief can only steal from you He cannot break your heart He'll never touch the precious things inside So one like you should surely be Miles and miles away from me Then you'd never care how much I've lied So try to understand the pain It takes so long when I explain Please don't you forget how much I've lied. That was Graham Parsons, How Much I've Lied, here on Theme Time Radio Hour. One way people can know how much you lied is by using a lie detector. There's lots of different kinds, and not all of them are mechanical. For example, in ancient China, suspected criminals were fed handfuls of dry rice during their interrogations. The belief was, liars seemed to have dry mouths. If the rice stuck to their tongue and they were unable to swallow it, they were deemed to be untruthful. Modern-day lie detectors are not that different. They check the heart rate, the blood pressure, the respiratory rate, and sweatiness of people being questioned. Just like the ancient Chinese lie detector or polygraph monitors know that the liar goes through physical changes. 
It's easy to fool a lie detector, though, and that's why only one state of the union allows them in court cases. Some people fool them by taking sedatives or putting antiperspirant on their fingertips. Some people go the other way and try to make their hat jump when they're telling the truth so the monitor can't get an accurate reading. They do this by putting tacks in their shoes or biting their tongue. Pain makes the needles jump. I asked Penn Jillette, he's the taller one of Penn and Teller, kind of like Garfunkel, the best ways to beat a lie detector. Here's what he told me. You're right about raising your heartbeat, Bob. And, uh, well, I don't know how to put this delicately, but you, you tighten your sphincter muscles. I'm serious. During the control questions, is your given name Robert? Did you grow up in Minnesota? Do you play the harmonica? You squeeze your sphincter muscle as tight as you can. This tension ripples through all of your muscles, establishing a level for truthful answers that any deceptive answers won't surpass. Now, I hope you're asking for idle curiosity and not because uh, you're trying to hide something. Right, Bob? <laughs> Thanks, Pam. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me 25 times, and maybe your guitar slim has got a song all about 25 lies. We've told you about Slim before. He's flamboyant and an artist you can't ignore. The reason so many people aren't aware of him was that he died young, at age 32. Even in death, he was overshadowed. Four days before his death, a plane crash took the lives of Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. Guitar Slim's death was lost in the shuffle. Well, we won't let him get lost here on Theme Time Radio Hour. Here he is. Talking about those 25 lies. Oh, why do you tell so many lies? Now, the first lie you told me was about your age. The second lie you told me that you was disengaged. The third was the worst lie of both the others in which you made all night. I stayed home with mother, but I really do despise any woman that tells evil lies. for the specialty record label and you can tell by the way that record sounds. Back then, there were regional sounds and those sounds were reflected in the record labels who had a distinctive sound of their own based on the size of the recording studio and the man sitting behind the console. Perhaps the most distinctive are those yellow label records recorded by Sam Phillips that came out of the Sun Recording Studios. One of these days, we're going to fool you and make our theme Sam Phillips and do nothing but play records he recorded. But for now, we're just going to play one of them. Here's George Harrison's favorite guitarist, and you can see him sing this song in the movie Jamboree. I don't mean George, I mean Carl Perkins. Here he is, your true love. True love, your love, 
true love and everybody always thinks of rockabilly as being a guitar based music but you can't imagine that record without Jerry Lee Lewis pumping the piano all over it during the 60s and the 70s the guitar hero became popular but for my money give me that pumping piano the only reason the guitar became so popular was because you could wear it around your neck and stand in the middle of the stage the poor guy playing the piano was stuck in one spot Unless you were Little Richard or Jerry Lee Lewis, you were relegated to the background. I feel we lost something when it became all guitars and no piano. Another thing that happened is that somewhere along the line, people seemed to think the solo was more important than the song. On some of my favorite blues records, there isn't even a solo at all. The guitar playing is mostly call and response to the vocals. If you're lucky, maybe there's a one-chorus guitar solo. It's not about the length of the solo, it's the feel. And a lot of those blues records have more feel than you can ever put in a 20-minute solo. Well, the phones are lighting up like a Christmas tree. Why don't we just pick one up here? Hello, caller, you're on the air. Hi, Bobby. Hi, who's this? My name's Sylvia, and I've been listening to the show, and I just love it. Well, thanks an awful lot. Can I help you with something? you played your true love and I have a question for you okay shoot what do you do if you have more than one true love because I have about three. Oh, really that's quite a problem Sylvia do you really think it's possible to have a one true love well the answer I have is more applicable to men the Mormons practice what is known as polygamy many cultures do this it's so they can build a flock they believe that a man must take at least three wives or they won't become gods in heaven. This makes good sense when you're trying to build a larger congregation. A man can impregnate a number of women, but a woman can only carry one baby at a time. So I'm really not sure how to advise you in this situation. My advice, pick the one you like best and see the other two on the side. I hope that helps you, Sylvia. Thanks, Bobby. And I know two fellows who are going to be very disappointed. Thanks for calling, and we'll see you soon. She sounds like a spirited gal. Not the kind of gal that Faye Adams is singing about, at least if this next song can be believed. Here's Faye from 1953 on the Herald record label, I'll Be True. Yeah! 
was Faye Adams, I'll Be True. Nine years after she made this record, which went to number one on the R&B charts, by the way, Faye walked away from secular music, returned to the gospel circuit, and refused to even discuss her R&B records. I'll Be True to You sounds a little bit like a wedding vow. In the early history of wedding vows, the commitment was made between a person and an entire village. They were trying to find safety in numbers. The first wedding vows were most likely a symbol of a newcomer's commitment to watch over and be one of the protectors of a tribe or a group. In medieval times, wedding vows changed slightly to include marriage at the church. The ceremony was not held inside the church, but in front of the doors, so it would become publicly known that the couple were man and wife. The Celts made their vows in a ceremony known as a hand fasting. This is a legal marriage that was binding for a year and a day. At the end of that time period, the vows could be renewed permanently, or the two of them could go their separate ways. Where do I sign up for that? Next up, we have the Silvertones from Down Jamaica Way, and they're going to tell you about a true confession. They're actually talking about a magazine called True Confessions. It was one of the tabloids from the 50s and 60s, like Confidential, Blast, Hush Hush, Uncensored, Exposed, The Lowdown, and Side Street. I don't know if they got all those magazines in Jamaica, but they definitely got True Confession, because Duke Reed wrote a song about it and produced a record by the Silvertones. And here it is. Dear Mr. Editor, won't you please break the story? Silvertones, Delroy Denton, Gilmore Grant, and Keith Coley from 1965 on the Treasure Isle label. All about the true confessions. As in all other subjects, Shakespeare was there with a ready quote about the truth. In a winter's tale, he says, Though I am not naturally honest, I am sometimes by chance. And of course in Hamlet, he says, this above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow, as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. George Orwell once said, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Winston Churchill once said, 
Men stumble over the truth from time to time, but most pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. Out of Chicago, Illinois, is Hollywood, Tennessee native, just recording artist, Willie Mabel, and he lied. Remember the other night when we stayed out? Way half past six. Yeah. Man, some dirty cat went and told my wife that we were out with two chicks. But he lied. Where we had lunch, had a ball the hole in the wall. Yeah, man, don't you know that that dirty cat went right straight back and told it all? Everything. I said, there ain't no use in trying. Mm -hmm. So we moved way up in Canada. Up in Canada. Don't you know he came up their line? No. But he lied. Oh, yes, he did. He lied. Oh, yes, he did. Doggone his soul and born in your to pee. I know it. He said, I ain't gonna go around lying on you like I did before. I says, ha, ha, ha. I know you won't, because you won't be around no more. You won't be around no more. You won't be around no more. Because I his head the words he said a lie. Because I bust his head the words he said a lie. Willie Maybone, he lied. You're on Theme Time Radio Hour on our Truth and Lies show. Lots of people live lies. Here's a couple of them. We already told you about Billy Tipton and how he, she lived a lie. That's why we're hearing him, her in the background. Ezzy Dame, a Reno hairdresser who lied for 30 years and said he had played an Oompa Loompa in the original version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. When the remake came out, he did a bunch of interviews reviewing the new film from an Oompa Loompa's perspective. Rusty Goff, who was the last remaining living Oompa Loompa, knew that Ezzy was lying and busted him in public. And how about Charles Carrells? He was the likable old CBS correspondent known for his on-the-road pieces, where he'd look for America's out-of-the-way places. While for 29 years, he had an out-of-the-way place of his own. He kept a mistress and maintained a second family in Montana. None of this would have come out, except that after his death, his mistress sued to get the Montana retreat he promised her. Back in New York, Corral's wife was totally unaware. She thought he just had a fishing place in Montana. It's the quiet ones you gotta watch. We're talking a lot about lies today. Sometimes there's a gray area. It's not an out-and-out lie. Sometimes it's just make-believe. Here's Harold Jenkins, or like it says on his driver's license, Conway Twitty. That's right, he changed his name. Here he is, spent two weeks at the number one slot, and gave Conway his first gold record. It's only make-believe. People see us everywhere. They think you really care. But myself I can't deceive. I know it's only My one and only prayer is 
It's only make-believe. We lost him a while ago, but you can still go visit his home, 20 City, USA. That's in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and it's a nine-acre theme park. Go down there, you get a tour of his home, and even see the tour bus that he died in. If you don't want to see Twitty City, you might want to go down to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, just a stone's throw away, and see Dollywood. 125 acres in the shadow of the Great Smoky Mountains. You got roller coasters, kiddie rides, country fair area, and live entertainment. You never know, maybe Dolly will even be down there. The golem is a man-like creature that is created by using mystical powers that are found in Kabbalistic lore. The golem is created to perform missions in God's name. He is formed out of clay or soil and then brought to life by writing on his forehead. According to some interpretations, you write the secret name of God on his forehead. But other scholars say that you write the letters Aleph Mem Tov, which is the word Emmet, which means truth. When you erase the first letter, the Aleph, you are left with the other two letters, which makes the word Met, which means death, which is how you stop the goal. The legend of the golem goes back many centuries, and with so many people studying the Kabbalah nowadays, perhaps we have not seen the last of him. Here's another one of those records that I don't know anything about. There was more than one artist named Bobby Moore, and the records I have don't all sound like the same guy. This doesn't sound like the Bobby Moore who was on Chess at All, or the Bobby Moore that was on Brunswick, or that other Bobby Moore who recorded on the London label. This Bobby Moore has a backup group called The Foremost. And they're going to do a little number for you called It Was a Lie. Bobby Moore, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not the same. 
Bobby Moore and the Foremost. It was a lie. Here on Theme Time Radio Hour. I don't know what you're thinking. We're playing a lot more songs about lying than we are about truth-telling. I think there's just more songs about lying. It's like some people say, the devil is all the good songs. Well, one of the most famous liars was Pinocchio. Every time he lied, his nose grew. The name Pinocchio means pine nut or kernel. The original story, written by Carlo Collodi, was not meant as a children's novel. The original ending was unhappy and dealt with serious themes. In the original serialized version, Pinocchio dies a gruesome death. He was hung for his sins at the end of chapter 15. But Collodi's editor requested that he add to the story, and he wrote another 20 chapters. In those chapters, the Blue Fairy, which wasn't called the Blue Fairy until the Disney version, rescues Pinocchio. And eventually, as you know from the story you're familiar with, turns him into a real boy. This makes the story more suitable for children, but nowhere near as interesting. Before they started making operas, The Who were one of the great singles bands of the 60s. They were a favorite of the mods and advertised their shows with posters that said, Maximum R&B. Here's a great sample from their album My Generation, La 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 Lies. was The Who and La 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 Lies. In 1982, The Who started a lengthy and much ballyhooed farewell tour. Let's see what happened next. In 1985, they did Live Aid. 1988, they were on a British Music Awards program. In 1989, they did a 25th anniversary tour of America. In 1994, they did two concerts to celebrate Roger Daltrey's 50th birthday. Happy birthday, Roger. In 1996, they did the Princess Trust concert in Hyatt Park. They did an American tour in 1996, another one in 1997. They did a benefit in 2001. In 2002, they were about to kick off a North American tour when John Entwistle passed away. They ended up finishing the tour. In 2006, Townsend and Roger Daltrey toured in support of their new album, Wire and Glass. That's 24 years after their farewell tour. Who said they were going away? That's a sentence, not a question.
Arthur Schopenhauer said that all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Secondly, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as being self-evident. We had time in this past hour to go through at least two of the stages. You're going to have to handle the third one on your own. But before we go, Carl Sandburg wrote a poem about the liars, and it goes like this. A liar goes in fine clothes. A liar goes in rags. A liar is a liar, clothes or no clothes. A liar is a liar and lives on the lies he tells and dies in a life of lies. And the stonecutters earn a living with lies on the tombs of liars. A liar looks him in the eye and lies to a woman, lies to a man, a pal, a child, a fool. And he is an old liar. We know him many years back. A liar lies to nations. A liar lies to the people. A liar takes the blood of the people and drinks this blood with a laugh and a lie. A laugh in his neck, a lie in his mouth. And this liar is an old one. We know him many years. He is straight as a dog's hind leg. He is straight as a corkscrew. He is white as a black cat's foot at midnight. The tongue of a man is tied on this, on the liar who lies to nations, the liar who lies to the people. The tongue of a man is tied on this and ends to hell with them all. Kyle Sandberg, Truthful Poet. There are few nudities so objectionable as the naked truth. We've been here for the past three and a half hours playing some of our favorite songs on the subject of both truth and lies. You ought to take everything I said today with at least a grain of salt, because half of what I said wasn't true. And the other half was a lie. And that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Theme Time Radio Hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Produced by Eddie Gorodetsky and the associate producer is Anita Fitzgerald. Continuity is by Eats Martin and the editor is Damien Rodriguez. The supervising editor is Rob McCumber. The research team is Diane Lapson and Bernie Bernstein with additional research courtesy of Lynn Sheridan, April Hayes, Callie Blab, and Terrence Wendell, Sean Patrick, and Matthew Meltzer. Robert Bauer was the librarian, and the production coordinator was Debbie Sweeney. Special thanks go out to Randy Azradi, Coco Shinomiya, Simpsons Diner, and Lee Abrams. Tex Carbone was our director of studio operations. Recorded in Studio B of the historic Abernathy Building, crown jewel of the city's skyline. It's a great watermark production in association with Big Red Tree. This is your announcer, Pierre Mancini, speaking. Next week, we take a look at the family circle. We'll save a seat for you.